Good morning again. So glad to be able to speak to you all today. To begin with, I'd like to take you back a few years. We're going back to the month of May, but it was 1757, a few years back, and the country of Russia, sorry, Prussia, Prussia and Austria. These two countries were at war at the time. They were fighting a key battle near the city of Prague, and now years in the future we remember that particular battle as the Battle of Prague, naturally. And uh, it seemed uh, it, there, there was a crisis moment in the battle. It seemed the, the armies of Prussia were scattered and they, uh, all the, the soldiers were, had broken ranks and they were all running and confused. They didn't know what to do. And just in that crisis moment, the highest commander of the Prussian army on the battlefield that day, Field Marshal Kurt von Schwerin, stepped to the forefront. He actually ran up to the front, front lines and he began yelling at his men. And he said, all of you who are brave-hearted Prussians, follow me. And he began running forward. Well, it turned out to be the last command he ever gave. Not long after that, he gave his life in the service of his country, but uh, inspired by that final command of their commander, the Prussian soldiers rallied and they regrouped and they charged and they won the battle. They won the victory that day, the Battle of Prague. Well, of course, this morning we're going to talk about our great commander, the Lord Jesus, and he gave us some final words, some final commands. We're turning, in fact, this morning to John chapter 21, and we're going to look at the final commands of Jesus here in the Gospels. You might expect that it's the Great Commission. As it happens, as the way the Gospel of John is recorded, the final commands of Jesus are not, in fact, the Great Commission in this particular Gospel. We know that we see the Great Commission repeated in all four Gospels in some form and also the beginning of the book of Acts. It's very important. But at the conclusion of John's Gospel and at the conclusion of the collection of the four Gospels, we see this final command of Jesus, and in fact, it's such an important command, he repeats it two times at the end of this chapter. Jesus says, follow me. Those were the words that his followers, that his disciples needed to hear at that moment. Follow me, Jesus said. Follow thou me. Now, it's not that the disciples had not made a decision to follow Jesus in the past. Of course they did. And in fact, you remember my opening illustration, these uh, Prussian soldiers, do you suppose they had never before considered that they should follow their commander? They'd never thought of that before? Well, obviously they had made many decisions in their, their training and whatever their past service had been to follow their commander. They had done it before. But now the battle was on the line, the stakes were high. In fact, it was a question of life and death. It was a question of victory or defeat. And their high commander said, follow me. And that's what they needed to hear at that moment. The disciples of Jesus had made decisions to follow Jesus before. In fact, this command, follow me, is repeated 18 times throughout the four Gospels. You might recall back at the beginning of the story of the life and ministry of Christ, Jesus found Philip and he said, follow me. And Philip did exactly that. A bit later, he found a man named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He was a tax collector and Jesus said to Levi or Matthew, he said, Leave it behind and follow me. And Matthew did. But some time later, Jesus found Peter and James and John out fishing by the Sea of Galilee. Those three men had already made a decision to follow Jesus. Previously, Jesus said to them, leave your nets behind and follow me. And they did. A couple of years after that, Jesus said, if any man would deny, uh, follow me, he needs to deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And it was a recommitment to follow Jesus. And now we find these disciples maybe a little bit shaken. Maybe they've broken ranks a little bit. They're a little bit confused. They're not sure what they're doing or why. John chapter 21, they've gone back to the nets 
And Jesus says again, follow me. You see, the question at this point in their life was not, could they leave the nets behind? The question was, could they stay away from the nets and follow Jesus? To speak in a metaphor, the question here isn't, can Peter walk on water? The question is, can he continue walking on water? And I'm talking to you this morning because I know all of you have already made a decision to follow Jesus. I know you have. Literally anybody in the world who knew about you and your life and your history would say that you have made a decision to follow Jesus. That's clear. Even folks who would strongly disagree with your decision to, to follow Jesus would say, yeah, you've made a de decision to follow Jesus. Probably several. You're here in Bible college. In summer session, you're so committed. So the question isn't, I, you know, I don't need to preach a hard message about we need to commit to follow Jesus. You have done. You understand me? You have. You've all made a decision to follow Jesus. The question this morning is no turning back. You can all say I have decided to follow Jesus, but will you turn back? Will you turn back? Are you eager to get done with this semester, summer school, finish it up so you can turn back just a little bit? You've made commitments throughout the year of various kinds, maybe some small, maybe some big. You've made commitments. You've decided to follow Jesus. What about right now? No turning back? Is that where you're at? Can you honestly say no turning back? It's a question these disciples had to answer. What about it? You already decided more than once to follow Jesus. What's going on? What are you doing? No turning back? The question here isn't, will you follow Jesus? The question is, will you follow on? Will you keep on following? And I'm sure all of us would love to say, I will be faithful to the Lord even until death. But how can we possibly make a promise like that? How can we know that we're in a good spiritual position to be able to make some kind of a commitment or give a testimony like that? I think the answer to that question is found right in this passage, the instructions that Jesus gave to Peter. So let's go ahead and read the portion. I'll read just a few verses here, starting at verse 15. It's John chapter 21, verse 15, and I'll just read to verse 21, and we'll see the key components right there. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him, The third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Verse 19, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, and that's John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow 
thou me. And we'll stop right there because that gives us the key portion that we want to focus on, these last commands of Jesus. Follow me, he said, follow thou me. What uh, principles can we take from this portion that can encourage us to be able to, to give a testimony? I will follow on. I've made commitments in the past, but I will not go back. I will not turn back. Here's a few points we can remember, just really quickly. Number one, love Jesus, honestly. Number two, obey Jesus, immediately. Number three, focus on Jesus, exclusively. You see, Jesus is right at the center of the solution here. Oh, uh, number one, love Jesus honestly. Number two, obey Jesus immediately. Number three, focus on Jesus exclusively. Number one, Jesus asked Peter this question, lovest thou me? In fact, the uh, portion here emphasizes the first time, the second time, the third time, a, a thrice repeated question that would emphasize the, the importance and the value of this question to Peter. Peter, this is the key question. And what I want you to realize right now in Peter's life, Jesus is not asking him a number of things that he could ask him. Peter, are you prepared to fulfill the Great Commission or not? It's not found in the text. Peter, are you prepared to preach a message to thousands on the day of Pentecost? It's coming soon. Time to get that outline ready. I'm being a little facetious, but you see, that's not the conversation here. Peter, can you lead the early Christian church? Do you have the spiritual fortitude or not? The question for Peter, the only question that he needed to consider one, two, three times, do you love me? Do you love Jesus? And I want to tell you, my Christian friends, that is the question. It's always been the question. And it will always be the question. When you're considering your commitments to the Lord, the question isn't, can I have my devotions every day? Will I go out visiting three times per week this summer? Will I grow my bus route to 50? That's not the question. Do you love Jesus? That's the question. That's the only question. And I'm sure you and I would love to make great commitments for the summer months. We're going to do some things. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to make advances here. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need a lot of Christians who are eager to turn back. But remember, the question is not your strength, your fortitude. Can you do it? Do you love Jesus is the question. Do you love Jesus? It's the only way. And I'm sure all of us would probably take the words of Peter here, and our reply would be essentially, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. I sure wish I loved you more. Love Jesus honestly. You're a little bit concerned, I don't know, about you know going back home, summertime, different atmosphere, different schedule. I don't know. Can I stay strong? I won't have those, those props and those supports. This is the question. Do you love Jesus? That's the question we need to answer. Love Jesus honestly. It's okay to tell the Lord, I do love you. I don't love you like I should. But I want to. Number two, obey Jesus immediately. Okay, three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And then his reply to, uh, to Peter's reply, in fact, Jesus said, you know, I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. This is interesting to me. What's the answer for you and me when we've made a commitment in the past or maybe several commitments in the past? We're a little bit concerned about the future. What are we going to do? Are we going to stay strong and stay faithful? What do we need to do? We need to obey what we know we ought to be doing right now. 
You see, Jesus isn't giving Peter new information here. When Jesus says, Peter, you need to feed my sheep, this wasn't brand new information. And once again, it, 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 all, it also wasn't a, a grand plan for the future. Okay, Peter, you love me. Now here's the plan. You're going to preach to thousands. So many will be converted. You're going to found the Christian church. It'll be great. Feed my sheep. Peter already knew that's what he should be doing right now, and he wasn't doing it, you see. He wasn't doing today what he should have been doing today. You follow me? He was fishing. Jesus already told him, leave the nets behind, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter said, I'm going back. And all the other disciples said, we're going back too. Concerns me a little bit when students are eager to be away on break or maybe even to graduate. They're eager to turn back a little bit. They don't plan to turn way, way back. They want to turn back a little bit. How does that affect the sheep? Feed my sheep. Look, I understand that individual standards, lifestyle standards, are going to be different from BCM institutional standards and so forth. But when you present a testimony to others, I'm so eager to get out of here so I can change things up a little bit, go back to what I believe and, and so forth. How does that affect the sheep, the people who are watching you? You teach them commitments are something that you make when an institution forces you to. And commitments are something that you get away from as quick as you possibly can. That's not what the world needs. Christian people who are eager to turn back just a little bit as soon as they can. You know, you and I, we have given up something for the Lord. We've made some small sacrifices for the Lord. We've made some small commitments for the Lord. And I don't know that any of us have been tested even as greatly as these disciples had been tested. I mean, their commitments were severely tested in what they had seen and observed. I wonder, though, if sometimes freedom is just as great a test of commitment as danger. Maybe you're not called upon to give your life for the Lord right now, but maybe you are facing freedom to do whatever you feel like. That's a pretty big test of commitment. Obey Jesus immediately. Look, I'm sure all of you would like to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor Zempel, I guarantee you I will be faithful this summer. I will not go back on my commitments. Do you know none of us can do that? You can't obey for tomorrow. You know what you can do? You can obey today. You can't go back and obey yesterday. You can't go ahead a couple of months and obey for the future. You know what you can do? You can obey today. How are you going to guarantee I will be faithful to the Lord even to a martyr's death? You can't guarantee that, but you can obey today. You can be faithful today. You can do that. Obey immediately. Feed my sheep, Peter. That's, fishing is not what you're supposed to be doing right now. Feed my sheep. Get busy doing what you already know you should be doing. And again, I see right here the Great Commission they had already heard at this point. Follow me was the message they needed. Love Jesus honestly. Number two, obey Jesus immediately. Maybe as we're heading out into the summertime, maybe we're thinking about the future when we'll have a little more freedom to make our own decisions. How are we going to guarantee that we're going to remain faithful? These are some principles we can think about. Number three, focus on Jesus exclusively. So then Peter turns and he sees John over here and 
he asks the question, what about John? What's he going to do? And I've read four or five different commentators uh, to try to get some background on why did Peter ask that question. And as I read those four or five books, I came up with six or seven different suggestions as far as, you know, what that question was all about. Regardless, Jesus turned the focus back to himself, back to Jesus. Peter, your focus isn't John. In fact, Peter, your responsibility is not to plan out your own life either. Peter, you're not called to plan out John's life. You're not called to plan out Peter's life. Stay close to Jesus. You walk with Jesus. Look, it doesn't matter what the other guy's doing, what the other girl's doing. This guy over here, he might have some great opportunities. You might look at a distance and say, wow. Now, if I had those opportunities, I could really serve God. This girl, you know, she might have all the talent and so forth. Wow, if I only had what she had, I could really serve God. Don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus. You're called to live the life of Christ, not of this guy or that girl. Yeah? Okay. And let me say this as well. Don't focus on those who have disappointed you and hurt you either. You could choose to focus on that. Jesus said, you don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. You focus on me. Focus on Jesus exclusively is the point here. Now, what about these disciples? Did they manage to stay faithful to Jesus? Let me give you a little bit of historical background from Christian tradition. A few of these disciples and what they did for the Lord later on, literally every single one of these disciples faced death for Jesus Christ. John, they couldn't manage to kill, but they tried. <laughs> the Apostle Paul wasn't here this day. They killed him a couple of times, right? Think about this, though. The disciple Thaddeus was crucified in a city called Edessa. Crucified. Thomas, who used to be doubting Thomas, became a fearless evangelist. He was a church planner even as far as Syria and India. And what happened to him? He was killed by being pierced with lances. Simon Zelotes was sawn in half in Persia. Philip uh, led a woman to Christ. That woman happened to be the wife of, a, of the Roman proconsul in the town in Herapolis, uh, Turkey. And for that, he was flogged and he was imprisoned and then he was crucified. At that time, he was 87 years old. These men did follow Jesus and they did not turn back. They made a decision and they kept on following. The disciple Andrew was ministering in Greece there he was arrested and crucified for three days he hung on his cross. Three days crucified. What did he do while he was being crucified? He preached the whole time. He preached the gospel to the people who were witnessing to the, the, the crucifixion. And they changed their minds. They started off mocking him. And by the end of that three days, the crowd around him was begging the authorities for his release. He was not released. He died. He died preaching the gospel. You've heard of Bartholomew. He traveled as far as the country that we now call Azerbaijan. There he was captured and he was skinned alive as his living body was having the skin removed from it. What did he do? Preached the gospel to those people who were torturing him until he died. Luke, not one of these disciples, but you know Luke, he, he wrote the gospel according to Luke and also the book of Acts. He was also in Greece ministering. He was captured and he was hung to death from an olive tree as he was being hanged. He preached the gospel to the crowd around him until his last breath. He was faithful unto death. 
James, the son of Alphaeus, was thrown down from a high tower, and as he hit the ground, he lay there, not yet dead, literally in a pool of his own blood. His persecutors gathered around, and he began preaching the gospel to them. They became so infuriated, they found clubs and ended his life. You read in the gospel of, uh, sorry, the book of Acts about James the Apostle and how he was put to death by the sword. You might not have heard this. One of James's false accusers followed him to the place of execution. And as he followed James, James witnessed to him, this, this false accuser witnessed how happy and victorious James seemed, and he came to Christ. That false accuser became a Christian and was later put to death with the very same sword that had killed James. James was faithful unto death. And finally, Peter. What about Peter? Peter was thrown into the notorious Mamertine dungeon. He spent nine months there, chained to a post in darkness. The whole time he witnessed his jailers came to Christ and 47 other people during the time of his imprisonment before he was crucified. Now, I don't know if this is the case or not. We do read in 2 Peter chapter 1 that Jesus somehow allowed Peter to know before the time of his death that it was about time for him to be martyred. And Peter was aware of that. How exactly that took place, we don't know. But Christian tradition says this, as he was walking out of the city, he had some kind of a vision, and he saw the Lord Jesus walking toward him and entering the city. And he said, Jesus, why are you entering the city? And Jesus said, I'm coming here to be put to death. And Peter stopped and reflected and then followed Jesus right back into the city. That's a story. I don't know. But we do know for sure that Jesus told Peter, you're going to be killed. Here in Acts chapter 21, later on, of course, 2 Peter chapter 1, we read about that as well. Peter had decided to follow Jesus, and then he said, no turning back. And all I'm asking you this morning is, I'm not asking you to make a commitment. I will be faithful to death. I will be willing to die a martyr. None of us here can make that promise. I just want to ask you, can you commit no turning back? I know you've already decided to follow Jesus, but what about no turning back? Is that where your heart is this morning? Let's take a moment for prayer. I'll ask you to bow your heads with your heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll take a moment here. For prayer and reflection. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who would say, you know, that's a challenge. I really need to hear the challenge that Jesus gave to Peter. Love me. Obey me. Focus on me. I really needed that. There's a need in my life. And would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand right now if there's a need in your heart? Just raise your hand. We'll pray. All right. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you for this example. We thank you first and foremost how you were committed to us, when there was no reason at all to give yourself to us, you did. You were committed even to death. And Lord, we want to say this morning together in prayer, we love you. We want to follow you. We want to commit ourselves to you. We do recognize our own shortcomings and weaknesses, but we want to be able to say no turning back. We think of those who are raising their hand right now and just asking for prayer. Would you work in their hearts and give them special grace 
to make that decision they need to make right now this morning. And with our heads still bowed, still in the spirit of prayer, let's stand together. We'll have the piano play a verse or two. If you need to take a moment for prayer, I encourage you to do that right now as the piano plays.